There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time and the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Sestafa Blow. <laughs> I can't sadly, even pull it. I'm, I'm, I'm Ryan Hunt. Sadly you're not. No, no. Yes. I know, <laughs> I know. Ryan. We can't all be Sestafa Blow. We cannot. You did a great job. But welcome back, Ryan. How are you feeling? Thanks, man. Uh, yep, better, thanks. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks to Seb for step, stepping in on uh, Monday. Did a great job. Love the show. The, mm. only, the, only, the only bone I have to pick with you both, mm. considering Seb is in Hamburg, mm. There was not enough talk about the uh, remote control cars with the flares in the yeah, Rostock Hamburg game the other day. I mean, the Spider was lit. It was literally lit the other day. We went yeah. to the game, didn't we, of course? And we did. It was great. I was so good. We didn't book. get to talk about it. Yeah, the big sure. one, aka the big one. Cracking the proper game. big one. Great game. Really good game. We had goals. We had red cards. Yes, what yes. a red card. Uh, we had that amazing moment where the second Hertha goal was about to go in and I, and halfway I was halfway through saying to Lee, our friend that we went with, Leipzig I was like, Lee. I was like if this goes yeah. in, this would be yeah. a hell of like of a five minute, and I basically hadn't even finished the sentence and the ball's already at the back of the net. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, game. fun game. Fun, fun day all around. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about some Bundesliga stuff today, unfortunately for everyone, because uh, big news with the Tuckle Tuckle announcement. So, uh, we're going to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about the DFL have announced they decided to not bother with the the investor plans that they had for the league because of the the protests. So we're going to talk about that as well. We're going to talk about Champions League first, but I don't think we go too much into it because this bunch of first legs were were good, but there's nothing definitive for the second legs. It's all they're all kind of set up really nicely. Mm. Two one nils and two one ones. We'll also shout out Liverpool and Man City's Premier League games. Mm. Couple of bits of admin. Wrighty's house is back tomorrow. And you and I will be joining him. We will. What an honour. Goodness me. Just uh, you guys up top, just me in the hole behind. Oh, stop the, stop the, stop. <laughs> uh, some other bits of admin. Since we last spoke, well, definitely since I last spoke, but since you, Musa, spoke to everyone. Hmm. Uh, we announced and sold out a, Lo- a London live show. So thanks to everyone who bought tickets for the social. We'll see you on March the 30th. We will be doing some more live shows this year. It is definitely our priority. Probably in the autumn, we'd like to do a run of shows. Um, so if you think we should come to your city and you have some good venues in mind, feel free to hit us up on hello at stadio.football. And 
Let us know. Let us know what venues we should check out. Yeah, we'll try and get this done. Um, there was also a mail out. We also had Jonathan Harding's great piece on Clot, which is shouted out on mm. Monday's show. Clot um, was so happy with that piece that he went and gave uh, the fist pumps to all four corners of Anfield. So he, Jonathan did a great job with the article. That got him, got him hyped I up. Just wanted, I, just, I just wanted to know where, where was Jamie Carragher in all of this? Just listen, listen, Jurgen. Just get down the tunnel. You've got your win against Luton. Just get That's down fair, the tunnel. It's fair comment. It's fair comment. Listen, personally, on that, I love that Klopp does that. I did not think for one second that that was any way over celebrating. But you know, got pundits have got standards, and it's just uh, it's a real shame to see Liverpool celebrating like they won the league. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Can I say this as well, like? So it was silly. a huge. It was a huge comeback. Like Luton have been playing some. Let's great do it. Football. Let's go there. Let's go there first. Let's do these games before we, we move on to the Champions League. Okay, let's do them then. So, um, yeah. Luton going a goal up um, after some really good sort of patches of pressure against Liverpool and holding that lead for a substantial period. And Liverpool absolutely surging back. Really, yeah. so impressive. Surging back in the second half with four goals and the intensity with which they came. But I mean, the energy behind the Virgil Van Dijk header. My favorite goal was Gakpo's goal. Though. Do you know why I like the celebration, isn't it? Because no, it's, he the, it's the fact that he's like, it's drilled at his head and it's, bang, it's like bang, bang, and it's in and he's just, it's like, what? I just loved what? all the intensity of it because he scores <laughs> yeah, that header. So and like Van, D- Van Dyke scores his, and Van Dyke's like, you know, let's have it. And I, I have a theory that if Van Dyke doesn't celebrate like that, Gakpo doesn't celebrate like that. Gakpo was like, we're not even, Gakpo was like, we're just, we're not ramping at all. Like, Great from him. Uh, loved Lewis Diaz's goal. And Harvey Elliott scoring so on his good. 100th appearance for Liverpool. How the hell has Harvey Elliott already played 100 games for Liverpool? They always do it really sneaky, don't they? When the young players hit, hit a certain, you know, when they found out that, that poor Gavi had already played 450 games for Barcelona yeah, right. at the yeah. age of 17 and a half. And, and uh, Jamal Musiala as well with 150 for Bayern, just racking them up. Unreal. It's just, it was more that it's just amazing he's so experienced already. That he's so, so reliable. Yeah. He's so and reliable so good. already. Yeah, yeah. So good. Like so good. Such a great player to put to put into I don't know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a young Oxlade Chamberlain. Mm. Not necessarily in terms of playing style, but I think in terms of adaptability, you know? And reliability. You can just put him in yeah. and you know you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think because of his injuries and the way that maybe his um stock in certain squads fell over or throughout his career I think people forget how genuinely brilliant Oxley Chamberlain was in his early career right and um, see, see glimpses of that in Harvey Elliott just like very reliable in different positions if you or different positions around that midfield or you can even play him further forward if you want to it's not yeah, his definitely, definitely. ideal thing but he has the technique and the vision just a great um, and Liverpool have got such a great collection of midfielders I think that um, you know after Klopp goes whoever they get in maybe we'll touch on this a little bit later with the with the, the the Tuckle stuff because of Alonso's links and stuff. But um I just think they're set up really nice. Yeah. yeah. They're like one or two defensive signings away, I think, from being future proofed throughout the entire squad. Well they'll need to be set up well because another team that is coming uh, hard and fast is Man City and that is a team with depth across the board. And they got their win over Brentford. Um mm. 1-0 Erling Haaland with 20 minutes to go. Really lovely finish from him. Great take and finish. And yeah, that team is... The thing about City is just it's the chance of creation. That's what makes him such a threat in the league and in the Champions League. 
they're just relentless. You look at like these stats, even when City lose or draw, it's like 20 odd attempts on goal. And mm. over the and that, that's obviously how Pep set them up. Set, Pep has basically set them up to a point where they're like a probability team. This is the ultimate XG team, like the sheer weight, the constant deluge, raindrops will get through. They will get yeah. through the rear guard. That's just, that's what City are like at this point. It's just relentless. Brentford weren't dreadful either. Brentford had a really also good Ivan Tony chance, actually. And really good resilience as well to hold out until 20 from the mm. end as well. So also like respect there. Erlen Holland has now scored against every single Premier League side he's faced, apparently. Unreal. I like to, just quickly on, on Luton, um, Rob Edwards saying that uh, we made him angry by scoring. Uh, I mean, fair comment, fair comment. <laughs> also, uh, 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 Luton's social media. Right, yeah, we've seen it. Since, the, uh, since Rob Edwards crossed over into like thirst, thirsty TikTok. It's the Marco Rosa thing, isn't it? When he was at Gladbach. I didn't know they played at like Kennel Thirst Road. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Such a thirsty Twitter account now. Kennel Thirst. Listen, get that Kennel Thirst. <laughs> Drop the merch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll do Champions League. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight saving time is once again upon us, which for me is a good thing. Longer days mean more hours of daylight for outdoor sports. But if you're hiring, it's a whole different ballgame. Because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com stadium. Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology works round the clock to show you people with the skills and experience to match your job. Then you can review your list of qualified candidates and invite your top choices to apply. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Stadio. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Stadio. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Porto 1, Arsenal nil. Mm. Galeno with an unbelievable yes. strike yes. in the last, se- last seconds of stoppage time at the end of the game to, uh, to give Porto a 1-0 lead at the halfway point in the tie. Mm. How did I didn't watch this? the game live. I had to watch this back. <laughs> I, had to, right. I had to watch this back before we recorded. But uh, I didn't think it was a great game. Mm. I, I, thought, I thought Porto were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I mean, they I th- did exactly I th- what they needed to do. I think. You know, okay. So the case. thing I the thing I felt about this because there, there was a lot of talk. Oh no, Saka's this, Saka's done that, and I there was a lot of criticism. And I, what was that about though? Because I kind of I couldn't really. Do you know what? Think, I couldn't really match up the the timeline to the game when I was watching it. Do you know what it was? So I think I think Porto's plan was to get Arsenal to beat them down Martinelli's flank mm. because when you're watching it. I don't think I I don't I don't see a single I, apart from like the ill-fated Martinelli pass into traffic. That is the first time I saw a crossfield pass from Arsenal that went left to right. Because what was happening was that was obviously the area they identified Porto as the problem. The combination of Rice pressing when it's played out from Porto, and Odegaard and Odegaard and Saka in that sort of inside right position. That was the danger area for them. So Porto basically had this really smart thing where they overloaded. So you had. 
Saka would get the ball and he very, very rarely had passing options down the flank. Mm. So what would happen is Saka would look up, he'd be on the right flank, he'd look up and he'd look square. Odegaard passing option wasn't on. There was nothing ahead of him up the line because White wasn't really overlapping because he was so far out wide. So then what Saka had was either I play a pass infield or I go back. And the moment he got the ball on the, on the right flank, his opposite man would chase Otavio, who was brilliant, would pursue him. Either one of them would sit and then one of them would, pursue, one of them would sit and then the other one could pursue Saka all the way back to the halfway line where he'd play it back in. So what Saka was doing was just very good ball, ball circulation. It was a bit like when, you know, Anthony Martial was breaking out against Liverpool. And he was so dangerous. They put three against him. They just collapsed mm. three players. So what was happening in terms of Saka, it was interesting. When you see, um, I could argue the only bad pass Saka played was like about 10 minutes into the second half when he tries to play infield to Trossard and he gets cut out. That was the first time I actually looked at it and thought, you made a bad choice there. But everything else, mm. I thought Arteta really failed to respond to that because what was happening, Ryan, was you had Porto forcing the ball across the pitch, right, by like overloading Saka's side. But then you weren't having the um, centre midfielders like Havertz. Havertz had not been tasked to come across and overload on that side. So what's then happening, and to come around to my point is, Porto are basically like, okay, beat us down the other flank. Now here's the problem. Arsenal had a classic problem last night of hang- having wingers, but having no wit. Mm. So this is one of these problems, these rare cases where actually the Arsenal player cutting off the flank onto their favourite foot was a big problem. I think if anything, Arsenal could have switched wings. They could have switched Saka and, and uh, Martinelli because what was clear from Porto, if you look at them in the Champions League so far this year, they are actually very comfortable defending on their good sides in terms of they like wingers that cut in field. They don't like them when they go outside. The one player that's given the most problem in the Champions League group stages was Cancelo because Cancelo was going either way. And if you look at Martinelli, I don't like to like dog out players because you know how I would ask this podcast. I try to be positive about things. If I'll be critical of one thing, it's that I don't think that Arteta, Arteta or Martinelli fully grasped the nature of the assignment, which was that you absolutely have to burn Porto on the outside. You have to, because not once. I think Saka had one, Saka only beat his man once. And even then, this is not blaming him for that. And then only then he's passing with his wrong foot, right? I think that sometimes you just got to go old school and get outside the fullback and test them on that side because on the one or two occasions that Martinelli did it, you saw a bit of daylight. So I'm just saying all this to say that actually Porto's defensive scheme was so clever because it was so subtle, I think, that Arsenal never fully cracked it till it was too late. They never fully cracked it. So that's how I see the kind of, and I'm throwing all that out there to say only it's very, very easy in games like this to dump on individual players but the players did everything that they were tasked to do. I just don't think that Arteta gave them the right tasks. I just maybe think that this was a game where you could have just made one personnel change. I think it was who, that who, simple. Who would have changed? Because I would have brought Jorginho in for this game. Because I wasn't, well, I mean, I, he came on, so I'm assuming his fitness is okay now. Mm. But you know when you have a run of games where you you play the same starting eleven for three games in a row against three mm. different opposition and you get three good wins. Mm. It would have been two because of the Liverpool game. You know you go and win away at West Ham with this lineup. You go and win away at Burnley with this lineup, and then you go to Porto in the Champions League, which is a very different environment and a very different side. And Porto uh, are really really good at um, making things extremely difficult 
which I think we saw in the game, like the rhythm yeah. in the game just never got going really. I no, think which was their plan. Real yeah, yeah. flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's not dissing Porto by any means. I think like they, this is perfect for them because they allow, they, they stop you, you know, they make the game really bitty and then they can hit you with individual moments of brilliance, which they mm. did. Um, they could have taken the lead earlier. They had that chance to hit the post, which took yeah. me forever to re- realise what what part of the goal it had hit because it looked like it had gone behind the, the goal. The first one travelled so yeah. fast that I thought it came off yeah. the post. Yeah, at the back of the goal. I it thought came it, back, yeah. I, my first thought was that it had actually already gone behind and come back off the advertising hoarding and Agreed. he hit it yeah, again. Likewise. And I was yeah, just yeah. like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, for example, I would have maybe thought about taking out um, Trossard starting this game and playing Jorginho and playing Jorginho and Rice as a, as, a, as, a, as a proper two and letting them, letting Jorginho then kind of be the deepest one and Rice can push on with Erdogan and kind of be a little bit more physical in those pockets and play Havertz just like really up top. Pin him up there. That's interesting. Otavio, Pepe as that central defensive pairing. I think mm. having someone like Havertz in there and Rice kind of pushing up on there. That's a little bit more of a physical kind of problem to deal with. Yes. I know like Harvards and Rice both started, but I think in the way that Arsenal set up, it just didn't allow... To- I wonder, really, like, I wonder what he'll forward. do actually. I wonder what he'll do in the second leg actually, Arteta, in that respect. I wonder if he'll be that bullish. I mean, it's different than the Emirates. Emirates, you can play, it'll be a bit more open, all the rest of it. So that's interesting. You just got to move the ball really quickly against them, um, which Arsenal didn't. And I get it because look, the, the atmosphere was unbelievable. And oh, amazing. The intent- yeah, the yeah. intensity. So, you know, the- you lose 1 0 to Porto. If we consider it, I think the thing is just not to overact to this result as an Arsenal fan or as an Arsenal you know, supporter of any nature. Because, look, great goal from distance. Reyes positioning not the best in terms of the feet. Shouldn't have been maybe that far out. But, you know, these things unfortunately happen. And just really go at them with intensity, controlled intensity in the second leg. And they should at their best. Arsenal, if they play to their best, are good value for like a two or three nil win. Yeah, if I'm they, not I'm not too too stressed about it yet. I'll be stressed if it's nil nil at half time yeah, no, in the second leg. Absolutely. Yeah. Those away Champions League games, especially in a place like Porto, places like Lisbon, and they are so fucking loud and they're so yeah. different to, you know, two very calm away games that you've had um where you've been dominant. And that's just why maybe I think one personnel change as well, because Jorginho was so experienced. I think he just would have been quite handy to have out there from the, from the jump. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, he's, he dictates stuff quite, quite well on the pitch. So, um, but yeah, great performance for Porto and yeah. they did, they did exactly what they needed to do. Um, Absolutely. I'll be at the second leg actually. So Arsenal better fucking win. Huh. Lucky for some. Yeah. Well, moving in these um, circles. Wow. Uh, the other game from the other game from last night was, of course, the uh, Napoli versus Barca game. Uh, Barcelona taking the lead after an hour with Lewandowski, Victor Osimhen on his return, getting the equaliser. Lovely goal. Two really nice finishes, actually. <laughs> I also thought Barcelona were quite good at this game. Ah, uh, I, I had, mm, I, yeah, I. Their squad is so badly balanced. It is a well, yeah, disaster. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but no, no, I know, I know, I know we know yeah. this. I know we know this, but I just looked at what they had. They had like Andreas Christensen in defence midfield, who is... He's living decent. every centre-back's dream, though. 
He he's is. finally getting to play in centre midfield. <laughs> he is, but I just thought the recruitment in that squad, my goodness. I mean, they made it look, they made it work for them. They made it work for them against a Napoli team. It's pretty combative. Barcelona still had a good run of it. Some nice fluidity. I'm always a bit concerned with Pedri. I mean, who would have thought, put it this way, who would have thought that when Xavi started coaching Barcelona, he'd be playing Pedri high up on the left? I don't like, I don't like Pedri that high up. No, I mean, I don't, but he, he assisted for the goal and right, he's, right. he's good anywhere. This is um, my issue. Yeah, but this is my issue, right? Yeah, I know he assisted for the goal. I know he's brilliant, but Pedri should be on the ball as much as humanly possible. Like every, when you have a player like that who's fully fit on the pitch, this is why I'm a bit critical of Barcelona. I just think like he should have the ball all the time. And you had that midfield of Gundogan, Pedri and Christensen. I'm almost Dion. like, uh, for the, Dion, so Dion Christensen. Can't you swap one of those out? Can't you like swap and may, maybe have like De Jong there sitting, or no, as holding, I know he doesn't maybe trust him there, but De Jong holding Gundogan with Pedri and then just have someone else high up on the left. Jao Felix on the left. I think if Jao Felix has had a blinder of a season, then maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but the yeah. problem is you've got Lamina Mal coming in on that right-hand side, which has meant that Rafinha's spot has kind of taken. It's gone. It's completely gone, yeah. Which um, is it's incredible. And that's how good Lamina Mal's been. But still, I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't be against seeing Pedri in there and just seeing Gundogan pushing a little bit further forward, either. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. He's that done either. that for he's done that for Man City. Yeah, but no, Barcelona. I, I sound like I'm nitpicking um, because Barcelona got a point ultimately. No, no, got a draw, not a point. Barcelona got a draw away from home in the Champions League at Napoli. Neither the Napoli aren't great this year. It's still a significant achievement. I just want more from Barcelona. I just want better for them. I have a sneaky suspicion they might get stung in that home leg. I would not be surprised if they did. Can we talk about Osman's goal though? Because Martinez... He got rolled. Doing an absolute classic, hey, hey, look at this. What's, what's <laughs> happening? And then did you see him try and grab his leg? <laughs> it was absolutely pure schoolboy stuff. I love it. He got cooked. Osman looking more lethal in five minutes of finishing than he did in a couple of the AFCON yeah, games. Yeah, we've talked about this though. Yeah. He, was, he wasn't really fully fit. He was ill for the, what, the semi-final. He put, it, know, he, we, he put it all out there. He put it all out there. Yeah. Yeah, also it's tough going into those, those tournaments mid-season, man. You know, it was hot out there as well. Goodness me. Yeah, Yeah, great goal for us, man. Great goal for Lewandowski as well. Yeah, lovely and, finish. Uh, this is all set up super nice for the, mm. for the second leg. Let's go to uh, Milan. So Inter Milan beating Atletico Madrid 1-0 with a late goal from Arnautovic, who got a couple of opportunities before that. Um, Marcus Duram looked terrific. Really good. That man's link play. Yeah, the link play with Latar Matides is great, how he pulls wide as a winger, then occupies a conventional nine spot. Just tremendous. And their chemistry is excellent. Lautaro had a couple of good efforts, I would say. He did better with the harder chances and Badly with the weak. It's almost like the, ch- the harder the chance got, the better his effort. So the one, the best chance I think he had was the one that um, Turan plays into his feet in the first half. Yeah, after that break where he nips in and wins yeah, the ball and they brilliant. break. Oh my God, because it was, it was so just good. Because it was a bad gather from him. You could yeah. argue the one that he um, struck for Oblak to parry into the path of Arnauto, which is the eventual winner, wasn't a horrifying miss. It was just, should have had a better finish. But the first half, I think he should have scored that. If he scores that, the way that Inter playing at that point, I think it could have been, you know, two or three nil actually. And him missing that chance at that point put the pressure on Inter. To their credit, they kept 
creating. Um, again, as I said, Marcus Dram was superb. Arnautovic coming on and missing a horrible one. Oh, a really, really bad one he puts over the bar and then scores a marginally more difficult one uh, to win it all. But I think they deserved it, Inter. They were by far the yeah, better team. Yeah, yeah. Created way more chances and could have put could have put Atleti away, actually. Morata had that one chance at the end, which I don't think was quite as glaring as... No, because it didn't really it see it. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think this, this second leg is going to be... Tasty. It's going to be really good because yeah. I think it's... I just think it's going to be... Dude, the energy... It's going to be bring. a yeah. grind, man, that second mm. leg. That second leg is going to be Also, Atleti haven't got the lead to play for, so they need this. This is their... Yeah. yeah this is their golden ticket. There's a chance to salvage yeah. something this year. And uh, do you want to do Eindhoven? Go to Eindhoven. PSV yeah. against BFLB. Big Wardle. news there is um, old boy Daniel Marlin scoring a cracker before PSV equalised a penalty in the second half. But just, I, I love a muted celebration. I love like a humble muted celebration. Rips it in the top corner and then like was like, oh no, no. Like, mm. it's no biggie. Deflected as well though. So I think he was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Tillman with the penalty to equalise uh, about. Yeah, what did you think about this? I was confused. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't think it, I didn't think it was a penalty at when all. When it was actually. awarded, I was like, oh, what's that for? Ah, oh, it's a penalty. Okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with that, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, do you know why they didn't... I mean, this is just a weird... I don't want to kind of go too much into decisions, mm. but this just seems so weird to me because it wasn't really aggressive. It wasn't... There wasn't a huge amount of contact, if, en- if any, really. Mm. I was baffled. It looks, like, I was, I was it baffled. looks like there is some on the, on the slow-mo, but on, it looks like a little bit on the slow-mo, but Matt Swimmels clearly wins the ball. However, this kind of thing only really happens to Mats Hummels and he gets one or two of these in Europe a year. <laughs> and I think it's the way, it's because of the way he tackles, actually. Mm. I think he... I mean, it also happens to Pamacano now. We can now see that. <laughs> but Mats Hummels gets, gets this a lot. Like, he had the one against Anthony a couple of years ago. Right. Which I still, I still can't, can't really get over that. But yeah, anyway, I didn't think this was a penalty. I'm not really sure why the ref can't just go over and have a look or be mm. told just to go and check. I'm going to turn into one of those like against radi- football radicalized old <laughs> bar guys. <laughs> ah, they're ruining the game. <laughs> you know, back when football was real football. Oh my goodness! Actually, on that, there was something funny about um, the Luton Manchester United game, which I wanted to talk to you about. When they they did a they did a thing about Mick Harford's goal against mm. Manchester United. <clears throat> last time they played at Kenilworth Road and there was actually something I think the first the Manchester United had a break or even one of the Manchester United goals actually was really similar where the ball just got smashed long to the mm. Manchester United goal that they scored against Luton oh, at right, okay. Road like 30 odd years ago and I was just like oh, nothing's what? changed oh fucking just, just hit it long just hit send it, it lads I mean to just be honest the Holland goal against Brentford was it wasn't like long but it was very old school it was like a very old school centre forward run through and finish. Yeah. That's why I liked it so much. But the thing I do like about it was like he, the finish that Holland hit was kind of like a bowling ball finish, like the strike. It just like curved in behind the keeper. And I was like, I love that. I love that. That's the test is if you can kind of like overdub the commentary in your head with this kind of like old school, and it's Ellen Holland and he's through now and it's. Oh, and he's put it away in the bottom corner. And if, it, if it tracks, if it tracks, yes. then it kind of like. And Love Erling it. Holland is through. He's broken through the Bradford defence. He's closed down on goal. He strikes it left-footed into the bottom corner. What a goal from Manchester City. And he's like, oh yeah, okay, it works. Like, you, know. <laughs> you know, no silly celebrations. Perfect. Just, you know. 
uh, meat and potatoes. People having fun. You know, we don't like fun in football now. We don't, don't like celebrate it. anything. No, no celebrations. Um, anyway, we were talking about uh, PSV against Dortmund. Yeah, and there wasn't much incident after that. Ended one all, and it's nicely balanced. At the Westfalen, Dortmund should come through this. Mm. Um, I think they've just got that, that, that atmosphere, those kind of nights at the Westfalen. We've seen them this season. Yeah. You know, they were great against PSG. They were great against Newcastle. I expect Dortmund probably to sneak through that. That's fair. Anything else from the Champions League this week? No, no. I think we're, I think we're done on those. As much as I've got to All say. Right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Let's take a let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with some more stuff. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. All right, man. I know we're going like going hard in the Bundesliga last last few weeks, but you know what? Who cares? It's our show. So the Bundesliga is going hard, to be honest. The Bundesliga is going hard, actually. Which one do you want to use first? Do you want to do Tuckle? Yes, very quickly took off. Bayern released a statement that you probably all end, uh, probably all read by now, saying FC Bayern and Thomas Tuchel to end their working relationship in the summer. Bayern Munich and head coach Thomas Tuchel have jointly decided to end their working relationship, which was originally set to run until the 30th of June 2025 on 30th of June 2024. This is the outcome of a constructive discussion between CEO Jan Christian Driesen and Thomas Tuchel. Uh, FC Bayern CEO Jan Christian Dresden said, in a good open discussion, we came to the decision to end our working relationship by mutual agreement in the summer. Our goal is to pursue a new footballing direction with a new head coach for the 24-25 season. Until then, every individual at the club is expressly called upon to achieve the maximum possible in the Champions League and the Bundesliga. I also explicitly hold the team accountable in this regard. In the Champions League in particular, after losing 1-0 in the first leg at Lazio, we are convinced we will reach the quarterfinals at a packed Allianz Arena with our fans behind us. Thomas Tuchel said, we have agreed that we will end our working relationship at the end of the season. Until then, I will of course do, continue to do everything I can with my coaching staff to achieve maximum success. Thomas Tuchel succeeded Julian Nagelsmann's head coach of FC Bayern in March 2023. Just over two months later, he celebrated winning the Bundesliga with the club. Very much the kind of like the compliment criticism compliment sandwich. Very much kind of the biggest club in Germany has just burned through two of the best German coaches in no time at all. That is what they have done. That is what that that is what they have done. I think that Tickle sounds relieved. <laughs> I think he sounds absolutely relieved. I think my guy should go to Mallorca and just chill. 
just chill, Tuckle. You've done some really intense work in the last few years. And I just think at this point, just take a few months off and then decide. Um, maybe if Jürgen Klopp has you to WhatsApp group. <laughs> That's what I would love to see. But no, but joking aside, I'm relieved for Tuckle. Uh, I don't see how much further it could have gone after the summer anyway. I think Bayern, you know, they talk about the new footballing direction. Uh, the statement looks very professional statement. I think that the, yeah, Bayern have to really sit and think about like what they want because there's names they're being linked with, you know, this, that, and Chabi Alonso's in the frame. I think it would be a really bad move for him, actually. I don't see the benefit. I don't see the upside of him going yeah. to Bayern. I don't see the challenge. I, don't, I think that he's, with what he's trying to build, you know, he loves coaching and he loves coaching with structure around him and good working conditions and Bayern don't offer that. So I think Bayern have to think about what offer they're making. Instead of thinking, oh, what coach can we get? Think about what offer are we making our coach? What platform are we giving them? And go from there. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they've just they've announced that he's leaving, but they're not getting rid of him now. Mm. It's extremely I think that's quite smart. Mm. Because I, I, I agree, um, I agree, I agree. And the emphasis of the statement on the players to perform, mm. because that's a bit of a it's a bit of a rallying call, really. That it's like, yeah, we okay, we're getting rid of him now. Everyone knows what's going on. You're not going to be continually bombarded with questions about the manager's future. We know what's going on. No excuses. Go and win your games and go as deep in the Champions League as possible and try your best to claw back that Leverkusen lead if, by the off chance, they slip up. Mm. I think despite Tuchel's prickliness, let's say, especially mm. in the German media, he is so, I mean, we've talked about this before, he is so much more spiky yes. in German interviews than in English ones. It's like Tony Cruz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this is going to be a very teachable moment for Bayern mm. because I think the club's at a point where they need to decide what it is they want, what it is they regard as success. Mm. Because if you're going to fire a Bayern manager every time they don't win the Bundesliga, mm. then you, you might be entering an era when you're going to fire a load of managers. Right. Because there's, a, there's quite a, a big turnover needed at Bayern to get to a position that the statement from Dresden suggests which is this new football in direction I think that call out on the players is part of that like calling the players to really deliver that's a sort of a thing and it, uh, I think it's quite sorry I think it's quite directed in the one like the ones who don't like him we're getting rid of him right mm. so you've got what you want the ones who do like him you've still got something to play for play so it's kind of like a right you've got what you want yeah get your head down and work because the th you've got, I think the problem that Bayern got themselves into last season, well, this season has been tricky because you've got a new administration, essentially. You've got a mm. new CEO, you know, Oli Khan was sacked at the end of last season. Salah Hamadzic was sacked. You've got a new um, sporting director in Christoph Freund. You've got a manager who wasn't picked by that administration with a bunch of players who, uh, who have a, a bit of a, a muddled squad slash transfer policy. For example, I think the I think the Harry Kane transfer, even though they smashed the Bayern transfer record, that's a successful signing, I think, because Harry mm. Kane is is amazing. Mm. And 
He's beyond, re- he's beyond reproach in terms of how he's coming. He's beyond reproach. There's just been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a muddled transfer policy at Bayern for a little bit, a little bit of time. And also, the fact is, they fired an Argelsman last season when they were still on for a treble. Yeah, unreal. this is the thing. They, yeah. In March, they were still on for a treble. They went out in Europe. They went out in the cup, and they ended up falling massively behind in the league. A disaster class. Yeah. Maybe we should do a what if on this one day. Mm. Is that if what if Bayern hadn't sacked Nagelsmann last year? Because dude, dude, that's a massive. Because I actually think he was more popular with a lot of those players than people realised. And I think the Nagelsmann case is going to be a real factor for Jabi Alonso. Now Mm. they can argue that it's a different, it's 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 been run by different people now. But Nagelsmann's rep will take quite unless Germany go and win the Euros. Nagelsmann's rep might not recover. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To the, to the full, like, and that's... To the level of what it was. This, like, you know... That, you know, these individual the managers aren't blameless. We know this. But Bayern has been a bit of a shit show over the last couple of years. Them announcing that they're going to part ways but not going now, I actually think is a very deliberate... We are distancing ourselves from that previous administration. Yeah. We're actually doing things seriously here. Now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking as, as I thought about the sort of Bayern boredom situation, the sort of the Britney Spears... Toxic just popped into my head in terms of just that, you know, that, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, when the board are going, Oh no, we're different now, we're different. Like, mm, are you, are you really? <laughs> yeah. Reputation, manager reputation is everything, especially at the start of your career. You come out, you've done your coaching badges, or you've cut, you had a, you've had a brilliant sort of early job. And we've seen how, how easy it's to lose your aura when you go into an environment that is suboptimal or working environment. and Bayern just have to work on that, man. They have to work on it. The next appointment is absolutely key for Bayern. Mm. I'm not entirely sure who that's going to be. There's obviously going to be a massive tug of war between Bayern and Liverpool for Jabi Alonso. Mm. I genuinely think the smartest thing for Jabi Alonso is to say is to say Swerve no, them both. Swerve yeah. them both. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need to. I mean, if you look at, I think he should look at what happened to Javi Hernandez at Barca. God, you talk about a cautionary tale. Jesus. He should look at what happened to Nagelsmann at, at, at Bayern and also mm. Tuchel at Bayern, to be honest. Yes. Look at that and be like, okay, look around the rest of the league. Who is as equipped as we are to kind of run this back? Mm. We might get some really exciting young players in the summer who want to come and play for us because we won the league. And right. it feels like a really fun place to be at the moment. Mm. You get to take them back into the Champions League whether they win the league or not, they're going, to, they're going to qualify for the Champions League. And a lot of players are going to want to run it back as well. Yeah. You know, another season of Florian Witz, if you look at his growth under Chabi Alonso, another season of development under him now, my God. Like, the, the way that man's leapt for, the decision-making, the quality of the play. As we watch, I mentioned this in comparison before with Roberto Baggio, I was re-watching old highlights and I was just thinking, oh my God, like, Chabi Alonso has slyly brought back the number 10. Like, number 10 is always, always the But like, in terms of like, if you think about the number 10s in history who could slot into that Chabi team right now and play with complete freedom, mm. dude, it's like Rui Costa could play in there, Rivaldo could play in there, Isco could play in there. And the reason I mention this as a thing is because this real estate were not, this was not a place where number 10s could operate. This was not a, like what he's done tactically to get players to express themselves with such freedom, but also compactness. It's absolutely brilliant. And who wouldn't want to be a part of that? 
the beauty of the, the Leverkusen team too is you can look at that and think, I've got the skill set to play there. What you've got a back three, a lot of players go, actually, I can, I've got a blend of skills that can be complemented or hide in the back three. If I'm not that quick, I can still go and play, do a job for him. I'm not particularly quick as a six. I could tuck into one of those roles, Andrich or Chaka. I can play as a left wing back. I've got the stamina to get up and down. I'm a forward who likes linking, who may not necessarily have like a massive goal output, but I've got a good combo, good touch. There's like, it's such a recruitable team. This is the beauty of it. It's such a mm. recruitable team. Um, and I'm just really excited for the Levy because I think you should hang around if you can. I would go absolutely and, hang around, yeah. Hang around and just say to as many players as possible, look, I know you're going to get big offers. I understand if you take them. And good luck if you leave. I also would like to say that I'm hanging around. And if you hang around, I think we could do something even more exciting next year. I don't think we've peaked. And just give them the pitch. Give them a, a kind of, you know, I, I was talking about the, uh, the Glasner run in the Europa League and how that was incredible to run to the title. I like, actually, I think we could do a deep run in the Champions League. Mm. I think we'd really go for it. So just, yeah, just go with that energy and, and see if we can get back. And I, I just feel a bit protective of managers who are really breaking through it because I've seen what happened in Poch and Nagelsmann, these, these brilliant managers that come through and they hit a bit of, you know, they hit a bit of quicksand. And I don't want that for Alonso. Not yet anyway. No, I mean, I heard a couple of people say that if he was going to do a move now, then Bayern is quite a good move because, um, you know, he's probably never going to coach in the Bundesliga after that. Mm. And it gives him more options moving forward. But I actually think it has potential to derail a lot of the rep that he's got going for him, which mm. is why I think he... Leverkusen is perfect because he's, he's built that on merit. You know, you've got to remember he was unproven when he came in. Mm. We've talked about this all the time. Where they were in the league, they were really flirting with relegation. He's, he kept them up and more so. Like, they went on that unbelievable run. Mm. Even when they lost, like, I think they lost their first game or second game, but you could see the signs that he was putting together something really good there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, actually quite rem- rem- uh, actually quite similar to Iriola at uh, um, Bournemouth earlier on in the season. You could see, even though the results weren't going their way, you could see the football was was. You saw the vision, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think that at the moment, your stock is really, really high. Mm. And you don't need to move. No, so it's, it's going to depend on lifestyle preference emotional preference maybe um but i think in a sporting sense leverkusen is the best thing to do at the liverpool moment. eventually maybe after another year but i would say not yeah, just maybe yet. yeah maybe maybe yeah, yeah, yeah but the liverpool gig will always be there for him i mm. think as long as his career continues or he you know he solidifies as a really really good manager and um and there's an incredible about, confidence in not taking it now. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think he should definitely, definitely stay put. That's my mm, yeah. personal thing. But what about Tuchel? Uh, I would say again, just take some time off. I, there's no obvious. I don't path. think he's going to do that though. <laughs> I mean, What's the- <clears throat> he might do a year, but uh, do you know what? I think that the the only problem is is whether people can afford him. Because the only place that I think he would really want to go at the moment is Barcelona. Like Tuchel wants a Bar- like Tuchel would want the Barcelona job, right? Mm. Mm. Um, but I don't think Barcelona can afford to pay him what he's been earning elsewhere. I was if they can the somehow. I was looking at the salaries, the Barcelona player salaries, and 
the contracts they've tied themselves to, Ryan. It's really bad. I don't want to name names. I want to call out players individually. But sorry, I don't want to call out players individually. But the the the, the contracts that the board agree to, my God. And then that affects, yeah. that affects the knock-on effects you can recruit in terms of the coaching level. And the irony is, actually, if Tuchel went in with that group of players, he is brilliant. He's good enough to look at who they have, the existing group, and make something out of it. I generally had a couple of those Chelsea guys there. The, the you know, problem he has, the one problem he's got is the ageing problem. I think the thing is that you look at um, Gundogan and Lewandowski in terms of age, you won't have more than a couple of years out of them. And this is not to knock them, it's just the ageing process. But I think... Tuchel is just such a good coach. He could go in there and make something happen. And I think, I think, unfortunately, I think he would kind of show Xavi up a bit. Because the thing about Tuchel that's good is that Tuchel adapts. I think Xavi's a, a coach very much who has an ideology. If it doesn't work, he doesn't really have that much of a plan B. Whereas Tuchel, I think, has multiple plans and would look at the players he had and make something work out of that. Mm. Um, yeah, but the, if, if they can't afford him, it's because they just overspent on the player contracts. You've got players tied up till 2026 on extraordinary amounts of money. Mm. Yeah. Um, speaking so. of Barcelona, we're just seeing some breaking news. Uh, just a quick content warning. We're about to discuss a sexual assault case. So if you want to skip forward a couple of minutes, do that now. Um, but I'm just taking this from BBC News. I'm going to read this. Uh, Dani Alves has been found guilty of raping a woman in a Barcelona nightclub. He's been sentenced to four and a half years in prison. But that's literally just broken now. I mean, um, where to even, you know, the, um, the woman that brought the allegations and what she had to go through and the way it was, he discredited her at first. And the first thing I think Alva said was, I didn't know her. And then the story changed when it was clear that there were corroborating witnesses. And so what she's gone through in terms of that ordeal, mm. you have a player beloved in that city and she brings these allegations in full knowledge of the backlash that will come, but still sort of persevered with it, um, found mm. the resilience to do that somehow. And, you know, that's a powerful one because to see through a trial like that, you know, to, to see the trial like that, you know, a sexual assault trial emotionally is just an extraordinary ordeal. But to do that in relation to a player of that status, um, so credit first of all to her for managing or finding the resilience to persist to the legal team also to UNAM, I think, in, um, in Mexico, who basically sacked him as soon as mm. the degree of the allegations became clear. They were very swift in that respect. And, you know, I, I, can't, I, think, I, can't remember a, I can't remember a case of this scale, Ryan. No. I can't remember a case of this scale, this magnitude, where, well, one, as they say, the BBC, one of the most decorated players in history, like this... Um, the scale of this to bring somebody um, to account in a court of law with this level of effect, I wonder what the wider implications of that will be because this feels like a, a landmark. Mm. Feels like a landmark moment. Yeah. Um, can I bring it back to something a bit more positive? Absolutely. DFL. No, actually, because everyone's talking about the Tuckle thing as the big German transfer, uh, big German manager news of the week. Mm. Wrong. Stefan Baumgart's at house foul. Oh, that, that's an amazing news. That's amazing news. What an, uh, they got rid of Tim Valter earlier uh, in, in the week. And um, yeah. after their, another chance of going up, looks like it's going to be slipping away. But uh, 
Stefan Baumgart might be taking his flat cap to the to the wonderful, wonderful city of Hamburg. I think that's a remarkable hire. I love that. I think that's a really good fit. It's a really good fit. Stefan Baumgart anywhere. He's love that hire. Wonderful. Uh, and one final thing, as we mentioned, the DFL, they've dropped plans to uh, implement this investor deal um, because of all of this, the disruption caused by protests from fans over the last however long. It was the CBC Capital Partners were the only remaining buyer for a 20%, uh, sorry, for a 20-year slice of broadcast and sponsorship revenue in return for an upfront from payment, which I think was a billion euros. CBC Capital Partners were the people who La Liga did their deal with. Hans Joachim Vatska, who uh, is, you know, one of the, the main dudes up there, he's, and also, you know, at Dortmund, he said, uh, in view of current developments, a successful, a successful continuation of the process no longer seems possible. Even if there is a large majority in favour of the entrepreneurial necessity of the strategic partnership, German professional football is in the midst of a crucial test which is causing major disputes not only within the league association but between the clubs but in some cases also within the clubs between professionals, coaches, club officials, super, supervisory bodies, members associations and fan communities which are increasingly jeopardising match operations, specific match schedules and thus the integrity of the competition. So, protest works. It does. And it's the second time in recent years that we've seen this in the Bundesliga with um, the Bundesliga scrapping Monday night fixtures after continued protests from fans over a sustained amount of time as well. Mm. Um, I don't think this is the end of this. No. But for now, this is a massive victory, I think, for fans. And a real demonstration to fans across Europe, actually, what can be done with uh, a singular vision in mind. Yeah, You know, English fans experience that with the Super League stuff, but apart from that, there's never really any pushback on anything within within the league. But I also think it's, as you and Seb talked about the other day, it's very, it's too far gone, English football. Mm. It's it's already like... And I think that German football, they look at it, I think people will look at it rightly with envy that it's retained something. And, I, you know, good luck to them. Sustained, coordinated, imaginative, um, often witty. Um, the protests are genuinely disruptive, generally inconvenient. Honestly, well, we were at the uh, yeah. the Hertha game, actually, the Hertha Magdeburg game, and we were waiting for what was going to happen. And all of a sudden, just before halftime, so it was stoppage time at the end of the first half, all of a sudden the tennis balls come on. And, but, but because the the Ostkurve is so far away from the pitch at the Olympia Stadium, because you've got a running track and stuff, we, know, we were like, how are people getting them on here? And we noticed they had those little plastic things, you know, where people take their dogs out and throw a tennis ball. Yeah. You kind of pick it up and then you just launch it. They had loads of those. Yeah. Impossible right? to track. Yeah. Yeah. And so this went on for ages and uh, it went quiet for a bit and everyone thought that was it. And then you just see another one come on. And the interesting thing that happened was the ref blew the whistle. I've never mm. been in the game that this has happened. Ref blew the whistle and took them off for half time, came back out, started from the corner, played the four minutes, and then just blew the whistle and they switched ends and they went. Brilliant. I thought it was cool. It's so good. Um, but yeah, like good on, good on German fans for this because this was long sustained and I think, you know, something that they've carried in a lot of investment stuff in football. You know, they've been pushing back on Champions League reforms for years mm. and other, you know, we talk about how Bayern fans have constantly pushed back on uh, sponsorship deals that the, the club has done. Um, they hold their own clubs to account and they also hold the the governing bodies to account for stuff and they do it together a lot of the time. Mm. 
you know, the one I mentioned, I think I mentioned it before, but like when uh, Dortmund played Bayern and they both did a, a joint protest against the rescheduling of the, the German Super Cup because it pushes back uh, announcements for the German Cup fixtures. You know, they do a joint protest together for the benefit of the others as well. And it's just not something you really see anywhere. No, and I think I really respect the fact that they put aside those, you know, ultimately superficial tribal differences for something much bigger. And you, you see it yeah. with like- Yeah, I mean, that rivalry is a bit weird anyway. It's you, not you, really but like- Yeah, but in terms of like, you know. you know, but in terms of, look, you say it's a bit weird, it is. But also, let's not kid ourselves. Can you imagine- sort of two big Premier League clubs with a- Arsenal you know, Man City kind of, fan, that wouldn't happen at Arsenal Yeah, City, exactly. yeah. There's, there's a different type of, there's a different level oh. of solidarity, I think. And, and I really, yeah. really applaud that. Yeah. yeah. So congrats. Yes, We'll see absolutely. what happens on that. Uh, we, should, we should go, huh? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. You gotta run. Yeah, gotta dash, yeah, yeah. Don't forget to check Wright's house tomorrow. Don't forget to check Counterpressed. Oh, also, one thing I just wanted to big up, big up Arsenal mm. women from last week, breaking the, the, uh, the Women's Super League attendance record in their winning against Manchester United. My goodness. Which was crushing sick. through. Yeah. Absolutely sick. Sold out Emirates Stadium. Um, and a big win there. I know we're a bit biased, but Lotta played really well. Class act. Lotta played very well indeed. Class um, act. We will be back on Monday. There's, a, there's also going to be a Wright's House going up late Sunday to talk about the League Cup final and Arsenal against Newcastle. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Go check out the press, as always. Uh, if you want to sign up for the Stadio newsletter, stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. And like we said at the top of the show, if you think we should come do a live show in your city, let, drop us an email, hello at stadio.football. Let us know what city you're in. Let us know a good venue to check out. Yep. And also don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. And this episode we are playing out on a tune called, I think it's Lapi or Lapis, L-A-P-I-S, by Florian T.M. Zeitzig. Anything you'd like to add, Musa Ogwanga? Nothing further. Ah, come on, give us one. Give us some. <laughs> give us some. Go on. Ah, come give on. Us, go on. Give me, give me some more. Give me some more. Go You've on. had enough? Yeah. Give me some more. No. Go on. <laughs> now I'm all taked out. Really? Are you all taked out? I'm all taked out. I'm all Why does it sound out. like a Phil Collins song? don't know. You know. I think it's the caffeine. The caffeine's made me actually more. more... Yeah, you're on caffeine now. I, that blew my mind, by the way, when I heard that. It's wild, isn't it? All this time. So you're actually on caffeine now. So you I'm on it. So you're up is this the equivalent of you being turned up to eleven? I'm absolutely turned up. Listen. Wow. Up, yeah. All right. Anyway, listen, let's get out of here. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. Uh we'll we'll see you on Wright's house and we'll also be back with you on Monday. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>